If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me uh, to the book of Acts. Let's go to chapter 15. We want to pick up our study from verse 30 to verse 41. We want to look at this topic that is very vital. Division, division, division. If any of you have been in the church, have been in the ministry, have been in various ministries throughout the years, uh, I've been a Christian now, uh, going on 36 years, 37 years almost, and I can honestly tell you I never dreamed uh, uh, concerning divisions in the church, in the body of Christ. I always thought, uh, here we are, Christian now, born again of the Holy Spirit, and uh, everybody's going to act fine. Well, <laughs> that is shortly lived if you've been a Christian for a time now. Divisions, sadly, are part of the church, part of the ministry, part of families. And so Satan loves to come into this area called division. We've been seeing a lot of first in the book of Acts. As the Holy Spirit fell upon the early church in chapter 2. It was a prophecy that was given by Joel way back in chapter 2. And now we've seen when the Gentiles have come to saving grace. That's another first. And then we see this Jerusalem consul that we've been studying the last couple of weeks. And so Paul and Barnabas take it to the leadership in Jerusalem where James is the pastor of the church. The argument was because in Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius' house, a very Gentile uh, military man, he was part of the Italian band in the Roman army, and he's a Gentile. And not only did he, but his household came to saving grace. And his servants, and then uh, his military personnel that were there. And Peter was blown away. And the Lord showed him in a great vision, a great sign. Peter, what I have cleansed, do not call common. And so saving grace comes to the Gentiles. Well, there was a group called the Judaizers that said, hey, that's okay that they've come to saving grace. We believe that they are saved, but they need to be circumcised. And so Paul got in his high horse and said, this can't be. It's called the grace of God. It's not about circumcision. It's about our relationship with Christ. And so the Jerusalem council voted that there was no need for circumcision. And so it's very dangerous that we shared last two weeks when we say Jesus and then we add. In other words, Jesus is my salvation. Jesus died on the cross for me. And then a group comes in. Yes, we understand that, but... You need to be circumcised. We have the same in our society today. Through the years, I've been approached. Pastor Bob, I believe in saving grace. I believe uh, that Jesus died on the cross for us. But I also believe you need to be water baptized. And then another group will come by and say, I, I believe in salvation by grace through faith in Christ. But I also believe you need to speak in tongues. And so you have the various groups. Be careful when somebody adds to the salvation message. Jesus plus. No, Jesus period. And now we come into the next section. And so the consul of Jerusalem is correct. The consul of Jerusalem said, sends this decree, this letter. Paul and Barnabas take it back to the Gentiles in Antioch. And then there's this division now. And it's between Paul and Barnabas, good friends. But John Mark comes into the picture. John Mark is uh, Barnabas' nephew. But I want you to take it back in your mindset to Acts chapter 13. Back in Acts chapter 13, John Mark wants to go home. He wants to go back to Jerusalem. And Paul gets upset. Paul gets frustrated with him. And basically, Paul says, go home, you crybaby. And he did. Well, now here we are again. And Barnabas wants to take John Mark onto the ministry. 
And Paul says, no way. Now, you can argue the point, and I've seen all the studies, I've heard all the studies, I've read all the commentaries. It's not right what Paul did. It's not right what Barnabas did. It's not right that John Mark would do this to the ministry. Well, like it or not, it's been done. And yet, I see something very interesting here. God had a purpose. God had a reason. And so many times things happen in my life, happen in your life. And I ask the same question, Lord, why? And we're told in Isaiah chapter 55, I believe it's in verse 8. You go back and search it. Through Isaiah, the Lord says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not, are not your thoughts, saith the Lord. You see, God thinks differently than we think. God has a purpose. God has a reason. God has an ultimate will. God knows exactly what he's doing in your life as he knows he's doing in my life. Lord, this is not a time for me to be sick. Lord, this is not a time for me to, to be in the hospital. Lord, this is not the time uh, to lose my job. You, you know, we have the whole scenario. And yet the Lord says, aren't I in control of your life? And so we have to submit to him. We have to relinquish to him. Listen to this. And I've been studying the scriptures for years through the good and through the bad. Because I find that through the bad, I rejoice and I say, Lord, thank you. I don't understand it, but thank you. And then later, God uses it in my life. Later on, God uses it for me to testify to somebody else. Because they're going through it, and I can say, listen, I've been there. Let me share this with you. I've had the cancer. Let me share this with you. My wife and I had the divorce. Let me share with you. I lost a child. Let me share with you. I, I lost a, a mom. I lost a dad. Let me share with you. You see, we all have a testimony. We all have a witness. And we know that God brought us through it at the moment, at the time. I don't grasp it. I don't understand it. Lord, why? And so here's this division. God causes the split. It takes place. But uh, just to give you some insight, Paul is going to take Silas now, and they're going to continue the ministry. And so you have the first mission field still going. And then Barnabas is going to take John Mark, his nephew, and take the second missionary. You see how it works? God splits it for a reason, for a purpose. In the 34-plus years here in this ministry, we've had our share of division, some major and some minor, but I'm still here. You're still here. God is still in the throne, and prayer changes things. And, and those that have caused division have gone to other churches, and they're flourishing. Praise God. That's what it's all about. Don't have hatred. Don't have animosity. Don't get frustrated. Let it go. Go to the cross. Because I have a theory. Those people that you dislike on earth, they're Christian. Those people that you don't get along with, they're Christian. Those people that you say, oh, there they are in the street. I'm not going to go up that aisle. I'm not at the market, that is. Or I'm not, you know, I, I want to just get away from them. Well, be careful if you don't come to that place of letting go. Because when you get to the marriage supper of the Lamb, here's my theory. God's going to put them right next to you. And you're going to be passing the, uh, not the ham, okay? You're going to be passing uh, the turkey. And then you look over, oh, my God, who put her there? <laughs> so be careful. Be careful. Division comes to the church. Now, there's a beautiful story. Some of you maybe have heard it. Uh, it's a humorous story that has been told in the church pulpits uh, since the time of Adam. Evidently, there was a man that was shipwrecked, and he was uh, Landed on a deserted island for 10 years. After coming to the conclusion that no one was going to come to rescue him immediately, he decides to take care of himself, which is standard procedure. He got some shelter, he got food, and he got water, and, and you know, he was just fit to be tied now. He's frustrated. He's got, the, he's got everything he needs. But boredom sets in. And if you don't get busy and don't take care of the mind, then you're going to go crazy. And so he looks around. He sees he has materials. 
And he says, hey, I'm going to build me a church. And he does. He builds it out of straw, builds it out of twine, whatever's there in the island. And it came out pretty good. Now, the island where he was at, it kind of went upward. And so as the years progress, he ends up uh, not only putting a church, but listen to this, a store, a school, a library, a hospital. Uh, he even had a post office. Now, no mail went out, no mail came in, but he was happy. And he named his city Gilligan's Island. No, no, he didn't do that. But then finally, as the years progress, lo and behold, in the horizon, he sees a ship. And the ship turns in. Now, he had already planned. Uh, he had a nice stack of, uh, of material, wood, bamboo, dried up stuff. He found some dry pitch and put it in there so smoke. And the ship saw it. Somebody saw it. They turned in. And so the time of rejoicing and uh, just making you know, this man welcome, and he welcomed them, and doctor checks him out. Everything's fine. And so the captain sits down with him. He says, I can't believe what you've done here. Would you kind of take me through your city? And he says, yes. And he says, here's the church. And he says, here's the store. Here's the school. Here's the library. Here's the post office. Don't ask any questions. And so the captain goes, this is wonderful, but I I got a problem. You started with the church, and there's another one at the end. Oh, we had a division. <laughs> I knew you knew that was coming. And see, that's the sense of it. The guy has another church because he divided the first one. There's nobody else but him and the fish, but division. Sadly enough, but that comes uh, part of the the territory, if you may. And even in some households, listen to me, there's division. And even amongst children and parents, there's division. Years ago, I went to the School of Ministry at Wheaton College with the Billy Graham people. I was invited. They paid for everything. It was beautiful. And I never forgot, you always remember certain teachers. There was a professor by the name of Charlie Rigg, and he was talking about division. And he told a story about his son that had become a Hare Krishna. And Charlie Rigg said, I prayed for my son. I prayed deeply for my son. And I said, Lord, when the day comes, give me the opportunity to share with him. And the opportunity came. Now, those of you back in the day, in the 70s and such, remember in the airports when the Hare Krishnas would come at you and they had their garb on, they had their little bells and, and whistles and such, and I mean, they would bug you. And so his son was one of these. And imagine, Charlie Riggs says, oh boy, oh boy, finally, Lord, and he let his son have it. He let him have it. There was no love. There was no passion. There was no joy. There was not even a hug. Hadn't seen him for approximately 10 years. He just ran right into him with the gospel. Charlie Riggs said, I caused the division in my son. Please don't do that. I put a wedge between my son and I that's lasted another 10 years. I have not seen him or heard from him for 20 years. And I've tried and I've tried to take it back, but he couldn't, and he can't. Only the power of God. Yes, I don't want one of my children to become a Hare Krishna, a Jehovah's Witness, or a Mormon, or get into some other kind of cult, but you better love them into the kingdom of God. God forbid one of your children become a homosexual or a lesbian. We do not love the sin. We hate the sin, but we love the sinner. And you have to love them into the kingdom of God. Or you put a wedge, and I'll tell you what, you're never going to get that wedge out. There's still hurt and pain in the divisions that we've had here at the chapel. And, and so here's Paul, here's Barnabas, and here's John Mark. And by the way, if you know church history, John Mark later 
writes the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Mark, excuse me. He is the writer of the Gospel of Mark. And so God used him. But at this time, frustration uh, for Paul. So we want to speak about division, division, division. And so look at Acts chapter 15, look at verse 30 now. He says, so when they were sent off, uh, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, uh, they, excuse me, delivered the letter. This is the decree that they received from uh, the Jerusalem consul. After reading uh, of the decree from the Jerusalem consul, finding favor on the Gentiles uh, that circumcision is not required for salvation, salvation is based on the grace of God, Salvation by grace through faith on Jesus Christ, period. Not Jesus Christ plus circumcision. That's what the whole decree is about. When they are dismissed, they return back to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered this letter. Paul Barnabas had to have been excited. Now, you need to know this because it's going to come your way one day when you're sharing Christ. Turn real quick with me. To Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. Paul is teaching verses 1 through 10 in Ephesians chapter 2 by grace through faith, period. Now, if anybody understood circumcision, it was this Saul of Tarsus that becomes Paul the apostle. He boasted he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. And he was of the tribe of Benjamin. They were fighters. And on the eighth day, he was circumcised. Paul boasted of that. And so Paul came to grips finally. Listen to what he writes to the church at Ephesus. In Ephesians 2, look at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Imagine if we had anything to do with our salvation. We would sell that product. Listen, all you need is this bucket of paint and this paintbrush. Go paint the church. You're going to heaven. I guarantee you, man would boast. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship. The Greek word is beautiful. It's the word poema where we get our word poem. Uh, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so Paul gives this the institution here, uh, the scriptural base of salvation. And we've studied the scriptures where it says in Romans 10, 13, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's it, period. Now, I believe in water baptism, and I believe in speaking in tongues. But they are not your salvation. If you never speak in tongues or if you never are water baptized, you're born again of the Holy Spirit. If you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, Paul came to grips with that. He did not emphasize circumcision. Let's go back to our text now. The decrees continues in verse 31. And when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Imagine you're a Gentile and you're hearing this. Awesome when you think of the freedom, listen to me, the freedoms we have in Christ Jesus. The Greek states, they were encouraged. In other words, the Greek is taking it further. They were comforted by these words. They were consoled by these words. They received solace by these words. Listen, these words bless them. These words bless their heart. These words bless their, their intellect. Oh, man. I thought for sure they were going to force circumcision on us. Now, I was willing to be circumcised, but, man, my dad's not ready for that. My uncles are not ready for that. You see the ramifications on putting the... the the yoke of bondage of the law. And so the decree was beautiful. Look at verse 32. Now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets or teachers also exhorted 
and strengthened the brethren with many words. They exhorted them, listen to this, not by just tearing down a wall, but with love and encouragement and, and building back up the wall. Anytime you tell somebody something, and it's scriptural, uh, listen, brother, you asked me about smoking. There is no scripture on smoking, but can I encourage you? I mean, the facts are out there. Cancer could easily come. And listen, brother, we're all going to heaven, cigarette or no cigarette, but, you know, you're going to get there before me. So do it with love. Do it with compassion. Judas and Silas were the prophets. Uh, the Greek word here, they're foretellers, uh, they're teachers in the church. They exhorted them uh, to stay and to remain in Christ to serve the Lord. And how do we serve the Lord but in peace and love and unity? And the proper way to strengthen the church is to bless them with the truth that they had already received. Listen, you're saved by grace through faith. Don't worry about those Judaizers. When they come around and push circumcision on you, tell them, go see Paul and Barnabas. Go see Silas. Go see Judas, uh, Barsabbas. Remember, we mentioned him earlier. Look at verse 33 now. And after they had stayed there for a time, uh, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren uh, to the apostles. They stayed for a time. How long, we don't know. They departed back to Jerusalem uh, to the brethren. Notice, with greetings of peace to those who had sent them. It shows us a grateful uh, heart. It shows us a, a rejoicing heart. These guys are ecstatic. They're excited. Now, if they would have kept that yoke of bondage on them, on circumcision, I just wonder if they would have been that grateful. I just wonder if they would have been that rejoicing. I just wonder if their hearts would be with joy. You, you know, when, when I came to Christ, I experience and I still experience the joy of the Lord and I have to thank uh, my leadership back at Calvary Chapel in West Covina uh, they never laid anything on me and honestly I was ready okay let's see what these guys say ah they're gonna ask me for money they never did ah they're gonna tell me to get a haircut and get a shave and a shampoo and all that stuff that goes with it they never did you know what they did they just loved me you know what they did? They taught us the Word of God. And as we studied and, and, and were preached the Word of God, we found out what we are to do. The Bible is going to tell you. I don't have to tell you. Let the Word of God speak to you. And so notice in verse 34 now, <coughs> excuse me, however, it seemed good uh, to Silas to remain there. He wanted to stay. Silas chose to stay uh, in Antioch, he wanted to teach further the Old Testament Word of God to the new saints. I, I appreciate that. Now, some of the manuscripts uh, omit totally verse 34. I, I'm not going to sit here and argue with it, but I like the verse. Sometimes verses could have been inserted by translators throughout the year. Now, uh, the Latin Vulgate does have verse 34, and it says, Silas stayed. Silas stayed, and Judas Barsabbas went to Jerusalem. And so we'll just leave it at that. In verse 35, Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, uh, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, uh, with many others also. Here's the indication. Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, so then uh, as they were there as teachers, I could see that Silas wanted to stay there. And so, again, the argument is verse 34 there or not. I'll, I'll leave it in your hands. And so here's the joy of the Lord. Uh, they're receiving this decree, uh, this letter of intent from the Jerusalem church. They're receiving it with a good heart. And the leaders that brought the decree, all of a sudden... There's strife between them. And, and the rest of the church sees that. 
And there's this little argument, this little dissension. And we're going to read it was not so little, the dissension. And it caused a division. And it was hurtful. It was painful. And, and let me tell you this. When divisions happen, we finally come to an agreement. We separate and we agree to disagree, disagreeably, as they say. But not everybody's happy. I can guarantee you there's always somebody on the outside watching. And they say, if that's the way Christians act, I don't want no part of it. If that's the way Christians act, I don't want no part of it. I might as well go back to the gangs. We have disagreements. Might as well go back to the bars. We have disagreements. Might as well go back to the world. We have disagreements. So we're no different than the church. We have to be careful, church. The caption of my Bible above verse 36, division over John Mark. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, uh, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached uh, the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. I love Paul's attitude here. Paul suggests to Barnabas, you and I will return to all the cities where the Holy Spirit planted churches in our first missionary journey. And I want you to see this this morning. This is Paul's heart. Basically, what we have done here at Calvary Chapel. I hope and pray that's always been my heart, and that is to get the Word of God out there. We're on the radio in El Paso. We're on the radio in San Angelo, Texas, and Lord willing, if the finances are there, we're going to get on another radio station. I want to get the word out. We get so many people that are listening uh, to manna in the desert. It's important to me. I hope and pray it's important to you. I've taken the gospel not just here. I've been invited through the years to Calvary Chapel, El Paso, Calvary Chapel, Rio Grande Valley, Calvary Chapel, uh, Silver City, Calvary Chapel, Oeste, a Spanish ministry, what we're going to do on February the 6th, Calvary Chapel, Sun City, and what we do at Klein Park every year. And this coming year will be number 20. The opportunities to share the gospel. Some of you went to San Carlos Reservation in Arizona, and you took the gifts, and you ministered to uh, the Indian Reservation, uh, that's the whole purpose. I'm here to teach, and as you receive, you take it. You see, that was Paul's heart. And then go back and see how they're doing. Because our church here at Calvary Chapel Las Cruces, we were the first one of the Calvary chapels here in the southwest. And so from there comes all these other churches, some way, somehow. Little did I know what God was going to do. And so Paul has a pastor's heart. I believe I have a pastor's heart. These churches that I spoke of that are Calvary Chapel, I believe these gentlemen, I know them. They have pastor's hearts. And there's other pastors in the community here. I not necessarily know them. I know Jorge right next door to us. I might not agree on his charismatic uh, belief system, but he's a brother in the Lord. I love him. He has his place in the kingdom of God. And there are those that are going to go to his church and not come to this church. But we have to get the word of God out. One of my commentaries said this about Paul the Apostle. Now, pay attention. Paul the Apostle is an obstetrician. He brings born-again babies, listen to this, to Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about infants, I'm talking about uh, a mature person, but they finally come to the born-again Christian. And Paul is also a pediatrician. He grows those baby Christians in Christ Jesus. That is the whole purpose. I love that statement. One of my friends shared it. I stole it from him. And I go, that's exactly what we do. We want to bring in people to the body of Christ, no matter how old they are. When they come to Saving Grace, they're baby Christians. And then we want to nurture them. That's why we have the various studies here throughout the week. 
That's why we have discipleship class. That's why we have the discovery class. That's why we have men's fellowship, women's fellowships. That's why we do the men's breakfasts. That's why we do the things that we do here. You know, there's a whole group of guys that come to the men's breakfast. They don't come to church here. In fact, I was told they don't really go to a lot of other churches, but they love coming. Number one, they want to get food. And that's okay. I said, we'll fill them up full of bacon. (laughs) By the way, the last men's breakfast, you guys must have got the memo. We had so much bacon. Wow. Man. We had bacon galore. There's been times when I go back, where's the bacon? Then they point to Mark. I said, no, Mark's not the only one. We got to get the gospel out. Especially, we believe, we study the scriptures. If we're living in the last days, let's get the word of God out there. Let's get the word of God out there. Notice verse 37 now. Barnabas was determined now to take with them John called Mark. Here's where it comes in now. John Mark had previously left the ministry or or the missionary party under less than honorable circumstances. Go back and study Acts chapter 13. And especially in verse 13. They were there at Antioch and Pisidia. Uh, John Mark left his uncle Barnabas and Saul and he headed back to Jerusalem. We are told Uh, we told you when we were going through Acts chapter 13, we'll reach this later, it did not set well with Paul back in Acts chapter 13. He probably did not trust John Mark from that point on. We know then and now we can almost taste division. It was coming. Why did John Mark choose to return? Some say it was his youth. I don't know. Others say fear set in. I don't want to take it any further. I don't trust Gentiles. Others say it was his dislike of Paul the Apostle. And then there's another aspect. Maybe he was in total disagreement that Gentiles were now not pressured to be circumcised. Maybe that upset him. I don't know. These are the various inserts Uh, that various commentaries gave. Pastor Chuck always taught us if we come to a place and we can give an opinion and such, but be careful when you try to press it on people. Well, you know, John Mark left because he was angry. You know, John Mark left because of the, uh, the Gentiles not getting circumcised. You don't know that. So where the Bible is silent, we need to be silent. Whatever happened here, is Paul reflecting back to Acts chapter 13. Either way, Paul gets upset because notice verse 38 now. Paul didn't ask, but it says that Paul insisted. Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia, this is John Mark, and did not, had not gone with them uh, to do the work. So Luke, uh, the writer of the book of Acts, does not give us a clue as to who was right or who was wrong between Paul and Barnabas, but it, it never was good when personal disputes flare up among those serving in ministry. It's never pretty. It's never beautiful. One thing I hate is to see two Christians, two believers, arguing, yelling, Screaming. Listen, it has never happened here, but I have heard, and I'm not going to mention the denomination, but at their board meeting, they got into fisticuffs. I go, wow. I, I, you know, that just doesn't register to me. You're Christian. You're born again of the Holy Spirit. The pastor's here. The assistant pastor's here. You got a few other board members. Sometimes you have uh, six, seven, eight board members. And, you know, these are brothers in Christ. And then all of a sudden, well, we want a snow cone machine. No, we don't. Well, I'm going to buy the snow cone machine. No, you're not. Pow. In Jesus' name, I hit him, pastor. 
Come on. You know, we just don't understand, but there was a flare-up here. Notice that Paul insisted. The King James says Paul did not think it good to take him with them. Uh, the Greek suggests Paul did not think it was proper uh, to take John Mark with them. We are not really told why. Paul was insistent, but the Holy Spirit, listen to me, he ordained it. Again, Isaiah chapter 55, I believe it's verse 8. My ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts, saith the Lord. And I want you to think today, right now, and go home and, and just kind of, you know, bask in it. In your Christian walk, something has gone down that you just didn't grasp it. Lord, why? And you might go to bed that night just, Lord, why? Don't you love me, Lord? Lord, I love you. Why? I asked those questions when my father-in-law got so sick and he finally succumbed. I asked those questions when uh, my dad and then my mom and they succumb. Now you can justify because they're up in age. But then I go back to Southern California, my cousin Jesse and my cousin uh, Jeffrey, good guys. And they died early. They, they weren't even past their 30s. Lord, why? Don't understand. They were good guys. Some of you can reflect on that. My ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts, saith the Lord. You know, Barnabas, Lord, what's going on here? I thought Paul was my friend. This is my nephew, John Mark. He's not that bad. Yeah, he left us in Acts chapter 13, but he's back. I don't understand. Barnabas didn't, Paul didn't, but God put it in his heart because Paul pushed it. I believe the Holy Spirit had to do that in order for Paul to go ahead with it. Notice verse 39. The contention concerning this division that's coming became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and he sailed to Cyprus. We know that this particular situation, this anger, this strife, this contention was very sharp, very deep. It reads that the contention became so sharp, it caused them to depart from one another. Paul and Barnabas were sharply divided. Contention is deep. That's all you can say here. This is the first time in the New Testament, the Greek is saying, uh, provocations come in, incitement has come in, incitement of anger, and this was so sharp, it caused them both to be irritated with each other deeply, and the final verdict, Barnabas took his nephew, John Mark, and he sailed to home to Cyprus. That's all we can say. I'm going to read three passages of scripture because I love doing this. The Amplified says, there followed a sharp disagreement between them, and so they separated from each other. And Barnabas took Mark with him, and he sailed away to Cyprus. The Message Bible says, tempers flared, and they ended up going their separate ways. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. The New Living Translation, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated, their division was there. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus. We can read into it all we want, but there was a, a, a division. It was harsh. Could have been words were said. Could have been accusations were flying. In anger, we say a lot of things that we hope to take back. You might not hit somebody, but your words that you verbalize they sometimes cut deeper than the hit, than the hurt, than the strike. What went down? I believe when we get to heaven, we will see Paul and Barnabas. 
And don't you dare go up to the, hey, you guys still mad? <laughs> because by now, they've made up, let's say. God takes care of these things, doesn't he? Uh, look at verse 40. Uh, but Paul chose Silas, and he departed. It says, being commended uh, by the brethren to the grace of God. I like that. They commended them to the grace of God. Listen, you guys are disagreeing, but don't forget the grace of God. Unmerited favor. We deserve judgment. Paul accompanied by Silas and Barnabas accompanied by John Mark, the first church division, each pastor going into two different uh, fields of ministry. I like that. One commentary said, it's hard to know if their personal relationship was strained for a prolonged period. As Christians, we are commended to resolve relationship problems with, with others before we present ministry to God. How can we go before the Lord and worship him? How can we go before the Lord and, and sing? How can we go before the Lord and even write your offering or your tithe? How can we go before the Lord when we have communion service up here and you haven't taken care of the problem? That's what Paul told the Corinthian church. Examine your hearts before you come to the communion table. Become before you, you come and partake of, uh, of the body and the blood of Christ in remembrance of what took place at Calvary? In Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, listen to the scripture. Jesus teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, if, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. But first, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift unto the Lord. These are awesome words of Christ. Imagine you just had a heated argument uh, with your wife, with a husband, or, or with your teenage son, and, and superlatives came out, pushing might have even entailed, and then you walk into church and you go, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And then you partake of the word, the communion is set before you, and you partake. And you know, there's times ushers will come up to me and they'll say, there was two people that didn't receive communion, Pastor Bob. I said, that's okay. They had a reason. And in a sense, I don't know why they didn't receive communion. It's none of my business. It's free. It's your choice. But maybe there was a problem in their heart. I have to honor that. I have to respect that. Take care of it. Take care of that. I honestly can tell you, in the 30-plus years of ministry, I've never been up here angry. I've never been up here after my wife and I have had it out. Because I can honestly tell you, my wife and I have never had it out. She always wins. <laughs> She's not here, I can say that. You understand what I'm trying to say? Take care of it. That's what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. It is always wrong to step over people in the name of ministry, and when it happens, it must be made right. There's no doubt God used this division, but this can never be casually used as an excuse for carnal division. We don't copy the world. We copy the scriptures. We copy Christ. God can redeem good, listen to me, out of evil. Yet we are all held accountable for the evil we do. Even if God ends up bringing good out of the evil, either Paul or Barnabas, probably both, had to get this right with God and each other, that is. Here's the note. This example of God's providence 
may not be used as, as an excuse for Christian quarreling. Later, Paul came uh, to minister with John Mark and to value his contribution to the work of God. I want you to mark these down. It's, it's, it's interesting. In Colossians 4.10, Paul mentions John Mark. In Philemon, it's only one chapter, verse 24. In 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 11. And so, through the years, Paul was reinstated with John Mark. And if he was reinstated with John Mark, he was reinstated with Barnabas. And so don't go up at the Merry Supper of the Lamb. You guys are really sitting next to each other? Yes. Forgiveness is sometimes greater than the fault that caused you to be at that place. We don't know if it was John Mark who changed or Paul who changed. Probably God had it to work uh, in both of these hearts. Here's another note. It's not easy to say I'm sorry and to mean it. But don't say it as a lip service, but let it come from the heart. When you say I'm sorry, when you say I'm truly sorry, and when you say I'm truly sorry, forgive me, let it be from the heart. And I want you to remember this. It takes a real man of God, it takes a real woman of God to admit wrong and say I'm sorry, but it must come from the heart. Listen, my early ministry back in Southern California was prisons and jails. I learned quickly if you went into the jail system, if you went into the prison system, and you went in kind of cocky, kind of, hey, I'm here to, to help you. If you're not humble, you don't come down to their level, you don't try to understand uh, their situation, you go in there blasting, they're not going to accept you. You go in there and you don't care, but you're doing it because they set you up in the ministry. They'll know it. Prisoners know if you're real. And trust me, the first chaplains that I met in the prison system, I went up to him and I hugged him and I, I, I said, brother, man, I'm, I'm thinking about being a chaplain. That's what I want to do. And he just looked at me so strange. I was not accustomed to that. I've been in the ministry two years now and I'm hugging everybody. I see a tree, it's born again, I hug it. <laughs> My pastor, Don Duncan, said, Bob, come here. He's not saved. I go, what? He's a product of the state. I go, what? He's a product of the state. He's a chaplain here in a place of incarceration. He took the test. He has the education. Oh, man, I was fit to be tied. I was ready to, I said, Lord, help me. This guy, before he gets saved, I need to baptize him for about 10 minutes. <laughs> you have to let God do it, obviously. But how can you be sharing supposedly and counseling supposedly the word of God and you're not born again? You're not filled with the spirit. When I went to New Mexico facility here outside, as you're coming into the city, I was there for a couple of years, Pastor Jay and I would go. And trust me, one of the greatest chaplains I ever met in my life was Sister Rose. That lady loved the Lord. And she loved the inmates and they knew it. They knew it. They have locked down. And they told her, you can't go back there. Oh, I'm okay. They wouldn't touch her. They respected her. They loved her. How can you call yourself a Christian and you've not come to the cross? So we want to conclude with, with verse 41 now. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So again, we still see Paul's heart. This was Paul's ministry. In addition to evangelism, new Christians needed strong churches to grow and to mature in. And we take it back to verse 36. Paul is an obstetrician. He's bringing babies, born-again babies, uh, people to Christ. Paul is a pediatrician. 
growing these born-again Christians in Jesus Christ. So important here, church. Divisions will always be there. But get it right. Don't harbor it. Don't. Our kids never saw Mary and I fight. I saw it with my mom. I saw it with my dad. My dad would beat my mom. And I said, that will never happen. And I thank God. I thank God. Do we have disagreements? Yes. Are we perfect? No. But when you said, I do, until death do us part, didn't that mean something? The Bible says to love and to cherish as Christ loved the church. To love your spouse as Christ loved the church. And what did Jesus do? He died for his bride, the body of Christ. Aren't we to die to self? Aren't we to die to self? Divisions will be there, but learn to die to self. Let's all stand, and we'll end with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God that will not come back void, Isaiah tells us. Lord, I pray uh, this morning if there are those that are not born again, those that are listening to the CD later and have not come to the cross, today is the day of your salvation. And maybe there's those listening or those here this morning, and there's a wedge between you and your spouse. There's a wedge between you uh, and your son or your daughter. There's a wedge between a sister, a biological sister or a spiritual sister, a biological uh, brother or, bi or, or a Christian, a spiritual brother. Uh, please get it right. Get it right. But Pastor Bob, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what they've done to Jesus. On the cross, and what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, help us to forgive. Help us to empty of ourselves and, and to be filled with the Spirit of God and to take it to the cross. Lord, bless your people as they've come. Lord, bless the offerings as you've given to us. We give back a portion. And Lord, we just thank you for the word of God that will not come back empty, but it fills our very souls. In Jesus' name, we pray. And we all agree by saying, amen.